All right, so we're going to take a break today from our um, Exodus Journey series, and we are going to be having a, a message that we're just going to be called uh, a message for those who are moving forward in life. And if, if you're here today and if you are alive, then you are moving forward in your life. And so this is a message for those moving forward in life. And I wanted to call this message today, Don't Be Successful, um, but I didn't. I just want to call it for those moving forward in life. And if, if you are taking notes, a uh, couple things I'd like you to write down. And if you're not taking notes, um, break out your phone. There's a couple points I'd like you to remember today. Um, we'll, we'll post some of these slides of some of these points uh, for you if you'd like to remember them throughout this summer. But one of the most common questions um, that you have as a, a teenager especially is, uh, what are you going to do with your life, or what will you do when you grow up? And oftentimes as children, uh, you're asked this question, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do when you grow up? And sometimes children actually do what they say they want to do when they grow up. Sometimes people actually become who they want to be when they grow up. And so here, here's a challenge I have for you today, and the challenge is this. And, and it's not for those who are children. This challenge is for those who are children or those who are in their 80s. The challenge is don't obsess over what you want to be when you grow up. Don't obsess over what you want to be when you grow up. Focus on who you want to be now. So don't obsess over what you want to be when you grow up. Focus on who you want to be right now. I am in my 40s, and I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. How many of you are in the same boat? You're like, I'm in my 50s, I'm in my 60s, I'm in my 30s. I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. People are always changing what they do. Um, kind of gone are the days where people are retiring from a career that they had from the moment they graduated from high school until the moment that they retired. Um, People are always changing what they are doing. And so it is important that you focus on who you want to be right now. It's more important that you focus on who you want to be right now than what's you'll do in the future. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't have vision for your life. This doesn't mean that you don't have plans for your future, but it does mean that who you are right now in Jesus is more important and far more valuable than what you do. A lot of times we will highlight people that we know, especially younger people, we'll highlight them for their talents. We'll say, this is so-and-so, and she is so good at, or this is so-and-so, and he is so good at, he excels in this or this or this. But we need to be careful because when we tell young people, when we tell old people, when we tell adults that their value is in what they do or how good they are at something they might find all their identity in what they do instead of who they actually are. Who you are is more important than what you do. You might be talented. You might be skilled. You might be able to produce good work for other people. But I am telling you, people love you for who you are. had an opportunity to minister to an older gentleman this week. That um, Long story, but ministering to this older gentleman this week. And he... he 
had not been able to, to find a, a church or friends or community anywhere because he said, everywhere I go, people are only interested in me for what I can do for them. And I just want to be somewhere where people might just ask me just simply how I'm doing instead of what I can do for them. And it wasn't that he didn't want to do anything for anyone. It's just that he wanted to be recognized for who he was, that he was an actual individual. And so in Matthew chapter 22, a man asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment in the law? What's the most important thing I can do in life? And as we've been looking through this Exodus journey series, there are over 600 laws in the first five books of the Old Testament. And so the man says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says to the man, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Jesus says, this is the greatest and the first commandment. And Jesus says, and the second greatest commandment is this. The second greatest commandment is like it. Now, the guy did not ask Jesus what the first and second greatest commandment were. The man asked what the greatest was, and Jesus says, oh, and I'm going to tell you what the second is, and the second greatest commandment is, is that you should love your neighbor as yourself. And we learn from John in the New Testament that you cannot love God and hate your neighbor. You cannot love your neighbor and not love God. Those things are intricately tied together. And so when we look at what the most important thing we can do and the most important thing we can be in our life We've got to focus on being a person who loves God with all we have. Focus now on who you are, someone who loves your neighbor as yourself. And if these things are your priorities, loving God and loving others, if these are your priorities, you will then continuously step into who God is making you to be, and you will continuously step into what God wants you to do. Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 33, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What Jesus is saying is again and again, put me first. Keep me first. Make me the priority in your life. Focus on who you are in me, and as you're focusing on who you are, as you're focusing on me instead of yourself, all these other things will fall into place. That's why when I prayed for this young lady, I didn't ask that God would open doors for her because there's so many open doors. But if we focus on him, he'll make our path straight. Doors will begin to shut in front of us that God does not want us to go down because we will be able to clearly see what God has for us in our future. And so focus on who you are, not what you will do when you grow up. And again, that doesn't mean you don't have vision. And so, number two big point, speaking of vision, is that vision for your life develops out of having your eyes set on the person who gives it. Vision comes out of focusing on the one, the God, who gives vision. And that's another frequent conversation I'm having with young people in our church and beyond today is they're worried they don't have vision for their life. Don't worry about that. Vision comes out of focusing on the God who gives it. Another way to put that is your vision will not be clear unless your values are. If you don't know what you value, you won't have 
true vision. And so if your value is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if your value is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, if your value is to love your neighbor as yourself, then your vision will begin to be clear. Psalm 37, 4. David writes, as the Spirit guides him along, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What this passage is not saying, it's not saying that when you focus on God, all the things you wanted before you focused on God will be yours. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is is that as you focus on God, God changes your heart. As you focus on God, God changes the things that you desire. As you focus on God, God gives you new vision, new dreams, new goals, new wants, new desires. And all of a sudden, the things that God wants for your life are the same things that you want for your life. And as you focus on Him and delight yourself in Him, He begins to give you the desires that He put into your heart. And so a message for those moving forward in their lives is to don't obsess over what you want to be when you grow up. Focus on who you are now in Jesus Christ. And vision for your life will develop out of the one who gives it. So here's the third thing. As you do these things we've talked about, as you put God first, as you focus on who you are in Him, as you wait for your vision, as you're figuring out what you are going to do, Number three, you got to do something. Just do something. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. It doesn't say, you know, look, figure out what you want to do and then do it. It just says, whatever your hand finds to do. Do it with all of your might. Colossians, Paul quotes Ecclesiastes, and the Spirit begins to give more clarity for this verse. In Colossians 3.23, Paul says, Whatever you do, work heartily. Work for the Lord and not for man. And so you might be saying, I don't have vision for my life. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And I would say, I'm right there with you. I don't fully know what I want to do. I don't have the fullness of vision for my life, but I do know that I've got to do something in the meantime. And so whatever my hand finds to do, I'm going to do it. Whatever my hand finds to do, I'm going to work for the Lord, and I'm not going to work for man because God is ultimately the one who signs my paycheck. You might say, well, this is not encouraging because I want some more direction. I want some more vision for my life. But here's what I've learned. I've learned that we often find out what we want to do when we grow up while we're doing other things. We often find what we want to do while we're doing other things. And here's why. Because while we're doing those things, we will discover the things that we don't want to do. And while we are doing those things, we will also discover the things we do want to do. We'll discover the things that we're good at. We'll discover the things we enjoy. And we will also discover the ways that we don't want to do those things because we'll work around people that won't work the way that we think they should work. So work is a form of worship. Church is great. Singing 
songs is great. Sitting under the preaching of the Word is great. Reading the Word is great. But ultimately, one of your ultimate greatest acts of worship is actually your work. Work for the Lord. God gives Adam a job before anyone ever sings a worship song. Work is our worship. And we all must work in some way. Everybody must work in some way. And while we're working in some way, we have to understand that we can't rely on others to provide a way for us. That's hard, isn't it? There's a time in our life where we must leave the nest. There's a time in our life where we must grow up, where we must begin to make a way for ourselves instead of relying on others to make a way for ourselves. There's this family that I get to watch every day outside of my office window, and it's a family of 11. Um, and it's, it's one mama duck and 11 babies. It's actually a family of 12. And I've watched these ducklings grow from about this big three weeks ago to about this big today. And just watching this, I don't know why we have to call them mama ducks, but watching this mama duck prepare her 11, not one of them died, by the way, they all made it, watching her make a way for these 11 ducklings and watching them getting closer and closer and closer to leaving the nest, and they're getting closer and closer and closer to flying. And you say, well, how do you know that they will leave the nest? How do you know they won't spend the rest of their lives with mama duck? It's because you don't see flocks of hundreds of ducks walking around in city parks. You see just little couples here and there. It's because they all leave. They all find their own way. They all learn how to eat bugs out of the grass. They all learn how to dive under the water um, to catch whatever slimy thing resides underneath. Second Thessalonians, Paul says this to the church in Thessalonica. He says, even when we were with you, this is Paul, even when we were with you, dear church of Thessalonica, we would give you this command. If we were face to face with you, we would tell you this. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in laziness. We don't use the word idleness very much. Some of, some of you guys are lazy. You're not busy at work. Instead, you're just busybodies. Now, such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Some of you might have just got triggered by this. <laughs> like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, we have to work. So don't obsess over what you want to do when you grow up. Focus on who you are in Christ. When you focus on the one who gives vision, he gives vision for your life. Your vision won't be clear unless your values are. You've got to do something while you're waiting for these things. You've got to work because while you're working and while you're worshiping, this is the way that God provides for you. Oftentimes we pray, I want the Lord to provide for me. And I've talked to so many young people and sadly so many older people who don't work and they're praying for God to provide for them. And I'm like, have you applied for a job yet? And oftentimes the answer is, <laughs> you're a goat? Well, 
the perfect opportunity hasn't arisen for me to make 150 grand a year. You've never made 15 bucks an hour, let alone 150 grand a year. Just do something. Number four, salvation is a free gift of grace that cannot be earned. Salvation is a free gift of grace that is received in faith, not a result of works. However, we do have to work in order to earn many things in this life. And while salvation is free, trust and reputation is not. Salvation is free, but trust and reputation is not. You have to earn trust. You have to earn a reputation. While salvation is very free, relationships are not free. You ever figured that out before? If relationship is free, it's not a relationship. Relationship costs something. That's why Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her. The literal definition biblically of love is sacrifice. You cannot love someone if you're not willing to sacrifice for them. You are not truly loved if someone has not sacrificed for you. Relationships cost you something. You must earn in life. You must earn reputation. You must earn trust. You must earn relationship. And then in relation to your work, the position you desire in life, the position you desire at work, it too is not free. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, he says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. I understand that this is to a young pastor. And Paul is telling this young pastor, probably a man in his 20s, telling him, you need to show yourself approved. You've got to work to earn the trust of your congregation, Timothy. You've got to work to earn the reputation in the community to be able to minister to them. You have to work for the relationships, Timothy, within your church. And the position that you have as, in this case, pastor, you have to actually work for it, but it goes for the same in your own job, in your own company that you work for. If you desire to have a particular status or position in your life, it's not going to be handed to you. You must work for it. And so have you been tested before at work? Are you trustworthy? Are you available when you're needed? Are you on time to work? Are you accurate in the work you do? Have you given your best with the work that you do? And have you done well with what has been entrusted to you? You see, you don't rise to where you want to be overnight. It takes a lifetime to get to where you want to be. So if you're young, don't be discouraged. Know that the work you're putting in now They are seeds that you are sowing that one day you will reap the harvest of if you continuously choose to work towards the goals that God puts in your heart to achieve. And so don't be discouraged when you're not the manager on your first day of work. Know that it's going to take years 
to get there. And you might say, but the, the issue is that there has been people promoted in front of me that didn't deserve it. There have been teachers, pets in my class who got all the accolades and the awards and the scholarships, but I know what they're really like. And so this brings us to point number, I think it's five. Life is not fair. Life is not fair, but God is good, and God is just. You focus on you. Don't get distracted by others. Life isn't fair. God is good. God is just. You focus on you. Don't be distracted by others. In John chapter 21, after Jesus has risen from the grave, he is restoring Peter after Peter denied him three times before his crucifixion. And as they're walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus essentially tells Peter, Hey, Peter, man, I love you. We're good. I'm going to restore you. You're going to do great things. But before I go, I just want to let you know, bro, that that you're going to be crucified upside down. Peter's like, say what? Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. You're going to be crucified upside down. And, And Peter looks back at the teacher's pet the teenager, John, and was like, he getting crucified upside down too? It says, when Peter saw John, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And and Jesus, here's what Jesus didn't say. Hey, equal outcomes for everybody, Peter. It's him too. What he says is this. He says, if it's my will that John remains until I return, What's that to you? Here's what Jesus said to Peter. Jesus, what, 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 about, what about Peter? Is he, he going to get crucified upside down too? And Jesus says, none yet. That's not your business. You follow me, Peter. You follow me. You worry about you. I have you and my plans for you and mine. Don't worry about John's plans. BTW, he's going to get boiled alive in oil. Okay, it's fair. But he's not going to die from it. Whoa, hold up. You worry about you, Peter. You keep putting God first. You keep focusing on who you want to be in him. You keep working hard. You stay committed to what you've chosen to do at the time. And Peter and everybody else who sometimes doesn't think life is fair, here's what you need to know. Your character is being developed in these things. Your character is being developed through perseverance. Your character is being developed through your difficulties. And commitment and work ethic and character, they are far more valuable than skill and talent. You might not be the most talented person. Life's not fair. You might not be the most skilled person. Life's not fair. But what I've learned in life is that I can love and trust and rely on people who are committed, who have a strong work ethic, and who have character more than I can someone who's just the next talent, more than someone who's just skilled. We need people of character. We need people who commit. We need people with values. We need people who actually have a work ethic because, yeah, life's not fair. 
but God sees your work, and God will reward you one day for your faithfulness. And one day, when you walk in faithfulness and stay committed to Christ and walking in character, you can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy that I prepared for you. His last piece of advice, we could give hundreds, but we've got six today. The last is this. Don't follow the latest fads. Don't follow the latest fads because causes come and causes go. You ever wonder, like, what, what banner am I supposed to put on my Facebook profile this week? What, what flag am I supposed to put in front of my door this week? What button should I wear? What T-shirt am I supposed to wear? What holiday? What month is this? What, don't follow the latest fads. How many of you followed a fad before? You followed a cause before, and then the truth came out about that fad, and the truth came out about that cause, and you felt pretty stupid for falling for it. You felt like you had been lied to because you were. So don't follow the latest fads, the latest causes, because they come and go, here's what you need to do in life. You need to follow Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And only when you follow him, only when you give your life to Jesus, will you truly find, will you truly find life. And only by following Jesus will your life be fulfilled. Only by following Jesus will your life have real purpose. And only by following Jesus will you experience real love. And only by following Jesus will you ever have true joy. So don't follow fads. Follow Christ. Jesus says in Matthew 10, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so we've talked to people of all ages, but if you're like 22 and younger, Give your life away for Christ. Do whatever you can to give your life away for Christ. Do whatever you can to put him first, to follow him, to serve him. And what he gives in return, it's not money, it's not stuff, it's not even a place to lay your head, but what he gives in return is so much more fulfilling than any degree, than any salary, than any promotion, than any property, than any car, than anything. Following Jesus is just better. If you lose your life, that doesn't mean die. Sometimes it does. But if you lose your life for his sake, because that's when you truly find life. And so as you go to the places you go, just as a P.S. word of advice is don't compromise. Don't compromise as you're moving forward in life. Jesus says in Matthew 16, what will it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? 
What shall a man give in return for his soul? Oftentimes we find ourselves in positions where we are forced to either compromise or to walk away. I've compromised before. If you've ever lived much life, you have compromised as well. But compromising is not how we find life. Compromising is a shortcut to what seems like life but is not. Don't take shortcuts. Follow Christ. Don't try to sidestep. Just you, you follow Jesus. If you're Peter, don't obsess over being John. Just be Peter. Don't, don't compromise. Don't compromise. By losing your life for Christ, you'll find it. And it might not be fair. I get it. But the satisfaction and the fulfillment that you will have in your heart for not compromising, for following Jesus, and for just recognizing, yeah, life's not fair, but I'm going to choose to serve him, and I'm putting him first, and I'm putting others first, and loving my neighbor as myself, that is where you find what the world calls success. And success in the kingdom of God. It is so much greater than the success that the world has. Because the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. And when you and I stand before the judgment seat of God, there's one thing he'll be looking for. Have we trusted in his son, Jesus Christ, for salvation? That's it. We're all guilty of sin, but we all can be justified through Christ. But God's not going to ask you, what's your degree? How much was in your 401k? How much money have you left for your family? How much stuff did you buy? How many awards did you receive? How many boyfriends or girlfriends you had? He's not going to ask those kinds of questions. It's just simply going to be, what did you do with my son? Did you love and receive him and trust in him for your salvation? Or did you rebel and reject him? Success in the world's eyes will burn up with the world. But success in the kingdom of God is a treasure that is laid up in heaven where moth and rust will not destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. So you focus on you following Christ. And you focus on loving your neighbor as yourself. And when you seek this and seek his kingdom, all these things will take care of themselves. Would you pray? God, we thank you for these passages from your word that we looked at today. God, as we move forward in life, whether we have graduated from preschool or we just retired from our job, we all have a next stage in front of us of growing up. So God, may we not obsess over what we want to do in the world's eyes when we grow up. But would we and would you remind us who we are in you? God, as we reflect on this word today, 
would you please give us vision for our life? And as we set our eyes on you, would you give us vision as we align our values to that of yours? God, while we're waiting for these things, show us work to do now. Whether that work is taking care of our children, working at a cash register, pushing numbers on a computer, digging a ditch, fixing a car, whatever our hands find to do. God, show us things in front of us to do now. And may each moment of work that we give be a moment of worship. God, thank you for your provision. God, teach us to work so that we can inherit the provision that you give to us through our work. God, I pray that each of us would be patient as we build up our trust and our reputation. May each of us give of ourselves and make sacrifices for relationships that we would possess. God, as we desire different positions in this world, I pray, Lord Jesus, again, that you would give us the patience and the hard work to be able to work those things out. God, forgive us when we have cried that life was not fair. Help us to focus on ourselves and our relationship with you and not get distracted by what others are doing. God, may we get our heart right before we point fingers at the hearts of others. God, help us to discern what fads, what causes to get behind and which ones maybe we should wait on. Ultimately, God, let us follow you, not the world, not success, but follow you. And as we follow you, God, give us the strength to not compromise. Let us walk instead in the salvation of our souls that only you can give and not the forfeiting of our souls to get ahead. So God, each of us here today are graduates. We're graduates from this season of life that we've just left. So do, Lord Jesus, close doors in front of us that you do not want us to walk down. And thank you for the doors that are open that you've given us choice to walk through. Just as we close in prayer, I'm just going to recite Proverbs 3 that says, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn from evil. This will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. So, Lord, so be it. So be these things. May you be our focus in Jesus' name.